Welcome back to The Daily Poem. I'm David Kern, and today is Monday, February 8th, 2021. It's good to be back with you after uh, a bit of an extended absence, and it is good to be bringing you The Daily Poem once again. Thanks to everyone who has sent messages on Facebook and via email and on Instagram and Twitter, all over the place, uh, asking about this podcast. Well, we are back. We're going to be bringing you four to five poems every week. I've got a few people who are going to help me out so we can be a little more consistent, but hopefully I will be uh, bringing you poems uh, four times a week personally, and then uh, a few people filling in uh, to, to kind of help, uh, help with that load as we continue to get our bookstore going here in Concord, North Carolina. With that, let me get into today's poem. Today's poem is by Elizabeth Bishop, who was born on this date in 1911. She lived from February 8th, 1911 to October 6th, 1979. She was an American poet. She also wrote short stories. And she was the consultant in poetry to the Library of Congress from 1949 to 1950. And she won the Pulitzer Prize for Poetry in 1956, as well as the National Book Award in 1970. So she is certainly one of the most decorated and most beloved poets of the 20th century. The poem that I'm going to read today is called Roosters. It is a little bit long, so I'm probably going to only read it one time. So before I do, I wanted to read something from the beginning of a uh, essay on the work of Elizabeth Bishop from the Hudson Review. It's by David Mason, and it's called The Durable Art of Elizabeth Bishop. I'm going to read the first uh, two paragraphs. Quote, Few recent American poets have found readers outside a coterie of like-minded devotees. The good ones attract readers from multiple camps, readers who can't deny a quality of experience richer than mere identity, better than mere technique or fashion. Perhaps this explains why Elizabeth Bishop's poems appear to be so enduring, so admirable across a spectrum of readerships. Perhaps it is her containment, her solitude, that we admire. Midway through Thomas Travisano's authoritative biography of Bishop, we find this telling passage about the poet's visits to New York. When in the city, Bishop made her own definite impression. Partisan Review editor Clement Greenberg explained that Bishop was noticeable because she did not fit the standard literary pattern of the time. I remember Elizabeth because she stood out. Elizabeth wasn't a yakking literary type all the time. She wasn't Delmore Schwartz. He added, you felt with Elizabeth, life came first. She was not concerned with presenting a marketable persona. In Greenberg's words, she wasn't a celebrity figure, one whom journalism could catch hold of. Her poetry did it. He added, she wouldn't have fitted in with the Partisan Review crowd. Perhaps most important, according to Greenberg, I never felt Elizabeth belonged in any crowd. Paradoxically, Bishop's popularity, as far as poetry can be popular, derives from her isolation, her individuality, her lack of self-importance. We can read into her. The poems of Robert Lowell can seem all burnished ego, brilliance giving way to exegesis, while bishops appear happy to remain partly hidden. They trust the reader like a secret friend. End quote. Again, that's by David Mason. It's from the Hudson Review, and I recommend you check that out. So with that in mind, let's, uh, let's dive into Roosters by Elizabeth Bishop here on the 110th uh, anniversary of the day she was born. At four o'clock in the gunmetal blue dark, we hear the first crow of the first cock just below the gunmetal blue window. And immediately there is an echo off in the distance. 
then one from the backyard fence, then one with horrible insistent grates like a wet match from the broccoli patch, flares and all of our town begins to catch. Cries galore come from the water closet door, from the dropping plastered henhouse floor, where in the blue blur their rustling wives admire, the roosters brace their cruel feet and glare with stupid eyes, while from their beaks there rise the uncontrolled traditional cries. Deep, from protruding chests in green gold medals dressed, plan to command and terrorize the rest, the many wives who lead hens' lives of being courted and despised. Deep from raw throats, a senseless order floats all over town. A rooster gloats over our beds from rusty iron sheds, and fences made from old bedsteads over our churches where the tin rooster perches, over our little wooden northern houses, making sallies from all the muddy alleys, marking out maps like Rand McNally's. Glass-headed pins, oil golds and copper greens, anthracite blues, alizarins, each one an active displacement in perspective. Each screaming, this is where I live. Each screaming, get up, stop dreaming. Roosters, what are you projecting? You, whom the Greeks elected to shoot at on a post who struggled when sacrificed, you whom they labeled very combative. What right have you to give commands and tell us how to live? Cry here and here and wake us here where our unwanted love conceit and war. The crown of red set on your little head is charged with all your fighting blood. Yes, that excrescence makes the most virile presence, plus all that vulgar beauty of iridescence. Now in midair, by twos they fight each other. Down comes a first flame feather, and one is flying, with raging heroism defying even the sensation of dying. And one has fallen, but still above the town, his torn-out, bloodied feathers drift down. And what he sung, no matter. He is flung on the gray ash heap, lies in dung with his dead wives, with open bloody eyes, while those metallic feathers oxidize. St. Peter's sin was worse than that of Magdalene, whose sin was of the flesh alone. Of spirit, Peter's falling beneath the flares, among the servants and officers. Old holy sculpture could set it all together in one small scene, past and future. Christ stands amazed. Peter, two fingers raised to surprise lips, both as if dazed. But in between, a little cock is seen carved on a dim column in the travertine. Explained by Gaulus Conet, Flat Petrus, underneath it. There is inescapable hope, the pivot. Yes, and there Peter's tears run down our chanticleer's sides and gem his spurs. Tear-encrusted, thick as a medieval relic, he waits. Poor Peter, heart-sick, still cannot guess those cock yet might bless his dreadful rooster come to mean forgiveness. A new weather vane on basilica and barn. 
and that outside the ladder, and there would always be a bronze cock on a porphyry pillar, so the people and the Pope might see that even the Prince of the Apostles long since had been forgiven, and to convince all the assembly that deny, deny, deny is not all the roosters cry. In the morning, a low light is floating in the backyard and gilding from underneath the broccoli, leaf by leaf. How could the night have come to grief, gilding the tiny floating swallow's belly and lines of pink cloud in the sky, the day's preamble like wandering lines in marble? The cocks are now almost inaudible. The sun climbs in, following to see the end, faithful as enemy or friend. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in again. And I'll be back tomorrow with another poem for you.